0: Opportunity to preach today, and I believe that God ordained today, God ordained you being here, God ordained this service today. Whether we uh, feel it or not, whether we uh, know it or not, God has ordained this day to be a a day where we will come and, and worship Him and hear the Word of God. We've already heard the Word this morning. Uh, from Sister Burke, and that was a confirmation of what I'm going to speak today, um, because she talked about uh, the love of God and and, uh, and and living in community with others. And so I believe that God is confirming His word. Um, He's doing that quite a bit lately, so I think that's a good sign. Amen. Um, my title today is Lost and Found lost and found. There's a longing in all of us to live beyond ourselves, a desire to leave a mark in the world. Uh, To put it simply, we want to be remembered for something. And that is not exclusive to just some of us. That is true of all of us. We all desire to be known or to be seen or to be Um, to to leave an impact on the world in some form or fashion. How many of you knew exactly who you wanted to be when you grew up? And maybe you had some expectations of what you thought you would be and what uh, you thought would happen with your life, and maybe it didn't pan out that way. A lot of us, uh, maybe you grew up as uh, in, in my case, I, I wanted to be a baseball player. I wanted to be uh, a designer, which panned out. Um, but maybe you're sitting here today and, and your childhood dream was to be an archaeologist or a doctor or a musician or whatever, any number of things that, that uh, you might have wanted to be in, in your life. But time and circumstances have a way of changing our perceived future. What started out as a bright future um, now may look like a dim present. Your future hopes now meet with your present reality and life looks different than what you imagined it to be. And this could seem like a uh, grim uh, thing to, to think about or a grim thing to look at, um, but I believe that there's hope today for our lives. But but when we look at these um, expectations of the reality of our lives, and maybe this is from a career standpoint of what I thought I was going to be in my life or what I expected to be, sometimes we lose sight of that and it slowly slips off. And we find ourselves, how many of you uh, uh, said, I, I want to be a mother or father of three or four kids. I want to be all these things. Uh, how many said, I, I want to I want a broke-down car. I want. <laughs> I, I want. Um, I want a house that constantly has issues, and we find ourselves uh, with faced with the reality that life isn't always exactly what we thought or planned it to be. And oftentimes, this same reality sets in to our spiritual life. You found God, and you're full of faith. Sister Burke was preaching my message today. You found God, and you were full of faith, and things looked so bright in the future of your life living for God. And maybe um, you've been serving God for years and, and had a different vision of your future in the church. The ministry you felt called to never panned out. Maybe someone disappointed you. Or maybe you just simply found it too difficult to trust in God and decided to do it yourself. Our career ambitions or disappointments often track in contrast with our spiritual ambitions and disappointments. When the things of God don't pan out, sometimes we, we, we search for other things to kind of fill a void. When maybe our spiritual life doesn't uh, pan out, uh, we, we search for career and we search for relationships and things that fill a void in our lives. Or maybe it's the opposite, maybe um, that uh, that this, your spiritual life is strong and, and these other things begin to fade into the distance. But Genesis 2 and 8 says, speaking of the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put, put the man whom he had formed, and out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Immediately, God gave a choice. In the very beginning of the book of Genesis, in the very beginning of the Bible, he gives man a choice. Trust in me or do it on your own. The tree of knowledge of good and evil was the only tree that was forbidden. And of course, As humans, that's what we gravitate to. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now when we know good and evil, we become like gods. And man, isn't that great to be a god? And just be able to do whatever I want. And be be able to, to live how I want. I can be my own god. I can do whatever I want. But see, the tree um, of life in Christ was there for the taking, literally and figuratively. That I could have had anything I wanted. I was in a garden, this beautiful place where everything was perfect and everything was amazing, everything was beautiful, and I, I had everything that I wanted and it was right there. I could take from the tree of life, I could take from all this good fruit, but... I chose, and I think any of us would have probably chosen, sadly, the knowledge of good and evil to become our own gods. What is our mission on this earth? When we uh, started out to live for God and and we started out um, uh, following His pathway, what does the Bible teach us to do? Number one, it teaches us about relationship with God, to have relationship with God, the one that created us, but then also. To create disciples. And in that word, discipleship um, it, it evokes words like community and the church and the body of Christ and all of these things. So, relationship with God, the Bible teaches us to love God and to love others and to make disciples. Matthew 28 19 through 20, we all know it and could probably quote it Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. In that scripture, covers those two things that we just talked about, relationship with God, I am with you always, and discipleship, go and make disciples. It's a very, very simple mission that God has given us to do but it's so difficult sometimes for us to follow through on. What does it look like when we step outside of the provision and the plan that God has for us? It looks like Matthew 6 in verse 21 where it says for where your treasure is there your heart will be also. That's what it looks like getting out of the provisions and the plan of God for your life where your treasure is there will your heart be also. And then skipping down to verse 24, no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or money. And it's so often that that is the thing that trips us up. When we uh, are trying to trust in God and we're trying to be faithful to the house of God and all these things, but then things start to get a little tough. And what do we do? We take extra time at the job. We take extra hours at work. We take that overtime that that causes conflict with our church schedule. That causes conflict with um, events that are going on at the church. And we we just do it because we just need the money, and we just need uh, we just need help here. And so we find ourselves chasing after something that has little value uh, eternally in our lives and, and is only maybe temporal for a moment and maybe can satisfy that next payment. But what about when day after day after shift after shift happen and we continue to chase money and we continue to chase career we continue to chase all these other things? The Bible tells us, and I think it's plain to see, that we cannot serve two masters. We will either hate the one or love the other. Independence from God, in this context of uh, stepping outside of the provisions of God, independence from God is independence from his body, the body of Christ. And God designed us as dependent creatures, dependent on him and dependent on others. Even from the moment that we took our first breath, we were dependent on God for that very breath. And then moments later when we had to... uh, Received nourishment from our birth mother. We were dependent on our birth mother for help. So God designed us to be dependent creatures. I know in the world that we're in now, um, we are constantly bombarded with the idea of being independent, of living my own life, of paving my own path, and doing my own thing, and being my own person, and, and being who I want to be, and. And, and all these things, and and we, we pride ourselves in being individuals. And slowly, we, the, the things start to deteriorate in our lives, and, and we lose sight of what God has planned for us to be dependent creatures. And slowly, we start to lose out and, and forget about the mission of God. Because there's some things in conflict with the mission of God. Things like, our career things that maybe could be in in community with the, the mission of God slowly uh, fade off into something that is is just a separate thing from from our relationship with God and we live these two tracks and these two separate lives occasionally being part of the body of Christ but being mo- spending most of our time outside of it so God designed us to not be independent, to not be alone, but to be dependent on him and others. The Bible is a collection of personal stories, stories of individuals who lived and failed and triumphed just like us, those that had faith and those that lacked it, stories of great victories and great defeats, stories like ours. But the development of the church through Scripture slowly trends toward broader communities of faith it goes starts out with a story of a man named Adam and he's alone but he's with God but what does God do immediately with Adam he places him with a woman he places him in community with someone else he gives them he gives him someone that is dependent on him and he's dependent on her and God designed it that way very specifically and there's issues when we try to get outside of the bounds of that and we try to uh, live our lives in isolation. Even uh, physical and mental and social issues when we isolate ourselves. I think we found this to be true uh, during COVID. We found this to be true that when we isolated ourselves, that we became more depressed and that we had more anxiety and that we, we felt uh, all, all kinds of feelings during those moments. That's what happens when we isolate ourselves. Social isolation and loneliness have been linked to increased risk for heart disease and stroke. Type 2 diabetes, depression and anxiety, addiction, suicide and self-harm, and dementia, and an earlier death. These are things that happen to us when we get outside of the dependency of others and God, and we decide to do it alone. Ecclesiastes uh, makes it pretty plain. In Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10, it says two are better than one. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. And we wonder sometimes why it's so difficult. We wonder why it's so tough, so hard living for God. But we distance ourselves from the church. We distance ourselves from the body of Christ. The thing that God told us that we needed. The thing that God told us was vital to our lives. Two are better than one. And there's strength in numbers. There are benefits of the body of Christ. Belonging to a group or community we can identify with helps us develop a stronger sense of personal and collective identity. Things like support and safety, connection and belonging, influence, sharing, learning, acceptance. Social connection can help prevent serious illness, the opposite of isolation. It can prevent heart disease. It can prevent stroke and dementia, depression and anxiety. Social connection with others can help improve your ability to recover from stress, anxiety and depression. Promote healthy eating, physical activity, and weight. Improve sleep, well-being, and quality of life. Reduce your risk of violent and suicidal behaviors, and prevent death from chronic diseases. These are things that that we have found in research and science to this day. That that it, that uh, tell us that the Bible, what it's telling us to do, is healthy, and is good. Genesis two sixteen through eighteen. It says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And the Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help me for him. Now maybe that seems cruel to you that he would give them the choice between the knowledge of good and evil and then give him a partner who would then sabotage. But Adam can make his own choices. Adam had every opportunity to even, as uh, even Ron had, had talked about, that in reading that scripture, he believes that when she partook of the fruit, that Adam was right there with her. And, and so he was given the choice between knowledge of good and evil or life in Christ and 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 was also given a helpmeet. There there should be someone and helpmeet for him. And in verse twenty one it says, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh; she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And again, from the very start, from the very beginning, God shows us that we need each other, that we are dependent on one another. And then it goes further in Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. It says, let us hold fast the profession of faith without wavering, for he is faithful as uh, that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. So this scripture tells us that community helps hold to faith without wavering. And it also tells us that community provokes us to love and good works. You want to... Do you want to learn how to be good and how to do good works? Surround yourself with people that do. And you will start to exemplify those same characteristics. The church community helps us hold to the standard of faith without wavering. It's difficult to do on your own, but whenever you surround yourself with with godly people and those who love the faith and love the word of God, you will find yourself holding to the faith. And we've seen it before, sadly, people walking away, falling away from God, falling out of relationship and community with the church body, and then falling out of relationship with God. But the community is vital more now than ever before, and the scripture bears that out so much more as you see the day approaching. The more and more that we see the world wax colder and colder and the more that we see struggles happening around the world, chaos and violence. I mean, you can open up social media at any given time and see the latest beating or see the latest murder or see the latest war that's happening. You can see all of these things playing out just as the Bible has described it. And the more as you see the day approaching should we be assembling ourselves together. But community works both ways. Just as Jesus told his disciples to um, deny themselves and follow him, Paul told the church to follow him as he followed Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.1, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. It's a cycle that maintains mission. It's an endless cycle that that, that continues on with the mission of Christ. As we follow him and as others follow us, we continue the mission of God. If you want your family to live for God, follow Christ. They will follow. If you want your spouse to be saved, follow Christ. We're natural followers in our lives. But it's not just the fact that We have to maintain community with others. It's about our personal relationship with God. We're never too distant from God that we can't turn around and find him there waiting for us. And while the church body helps us maintain, personal relationship with God helps to sustain. We're truly dependent creatures. Luke 15, 21 24 talks about a story that we all know well. It's the son, it says, and the son, of, uh, the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servant, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put the ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead. And is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they begin to be merry. Lost and found. It's easy to look back at our lives and think, I had so much promise. I had so much hope for my life. I I thought things would be different. But here I am today. Today. And we can't go back and change the past, and we can't go back and and redo things that we did in the past, and the failures and the mistakes we made. But what we can do is look forward to what God is calling us into. And just as we look at the the life of Paul, you know, a lot of times we look at his story as such uh, an amazing story of, of triumph over, over, um, evil and, and all the things that he did and, and, you know, being a persecutor of the church, but then, uh, going from there and becoming one of the greatest missionaries in the church. We look at his life and we always see it as, is, as a, uh, as a great testimony, but why don't we look at our own lives that way? All the mistakes we made and all the things, we just beat ourselves up constantly over those things. And we, we beat ourselves down and life has a way of just beating us down and, and making us feel like we're worthless and hopeless and there's no hope for us and there's no hope that we could ever become what we should be because of all the things that are in our lives. I mean, we're talking about a man named Paul or, or Saul at the time that was persecuting the church. I don't know of anybody in this room that was persecuting the church like Saul was. I don't know of anybody in this room that was stoning people or standing by as others were stoning it, Christians. But yet we look at his life as a model of of a recovery story. We look at his life as a model for, wow, look at what God can do in a life Look at what God can do if we just give ourselves to him and we forget about our past and we move forward. Look at all the things that happen in Paul's life. Now, I think Paul probably dealt with some some uh, painful uh, things in his life because of his past. He probably had to fight that every day, the, the guilt that he felt, the pain that he felt from the things that he did and the way that he lived his life. But you're sitting here today and, and, and you don't have that bad of a past as maybe Paul did. Maybe some of us do. But we're talking about a God that wants to see you be your best you. To see you be the best version of yourself. To live out your life following him and, and fulfilling the purpose and the calling and the mandate that he has for your life. Going back to those earlier scriptures to be in relationship with him and to make disciples. But we've let mammon, money, career, things, relationships take over and it's caused us to get off course. But the Bible says and Jesus modeled this mission. He was fully God and he was fully man. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, he, despised, he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But he says in Matthew 16, 24 through 27, deny yourself. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now I know that that sounds easy when you're reading it on paper. But whenever you get into real life situations and life comes at you and you start to doubt in your faith, you start to doubt that God is truly with you, those are the tough times when it's hard to just deny myself and and just to take up my cross and follow him. This is, is, the imagery here is a, a path that requires sacrifice and requires some pain and some heartache and some things. In your life, but to truly do anything worthwhile means that we do something that is painful at times and difficult at times. But Jesus modeled this. Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, the good news here is that he wasn't asking them to physically grab a cross and go up to the crucifix with him and die on the cross with him. He wasn't asking for that, but he was just asking for a figurative or a spiritual death of all these things in our life and to get rid of all these the, the junk that, that uh, so easily besets us, as the Bible says. But there is coming a day where we'll have to answer for our actions. And is it worth pursuing anything other than Christ? Now, I, I don't want to be standing up here today and being all doom and gloom and saying that, that uh, the world is going to pass away and, and that you know, everything is going to pass away and, and all that. I'm not saying all of that today, but I'm just saying that there is a promise of heaven. And is it worth pursuing anything other than that? Anything other than Christ? John 15, 12 through 13 says, this is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. When you give your life to God and when you sacrifice it all and give it all to him, you're laying your life down for others. Just as Jesus did it for us, you're laying your life down for your friends, your family. You're sacrificing your own ambitions for those of your the people that you love and care about. And then in finally, in, ver- in Revelation, we're faced with something of a more urgent choice in our lives. It's the same... Um, Same symbolism and the same even words that were used in the book of Genesis. This is the very last chapter of the book of Revelation. It says, And behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life. There it is again, the choice to choose the tree of life. But this time, it's a little different than what it was in Genesis Verse 14, blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gate into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. That's the contrast. That's the contrast, the same contrast that we saw in the book of Genesis. We're given the choice between choosing the tree of life and choosing a life of our own. It says in verse 20, he who testifies to these things says, speaking of Jesus, surely I am coming quickly. Amen, even so come, Lord Jesus. The Bible is bookended by Genesis and Revelation, referencing this tree of life. However, in the book of Revelation, it adds a sense and a layer of urgency to the moment. The choice that we once had in the garden, where on any given day I could casually stroll or Adam could casually stroll through the garden and choose of the tree of life. And on a nice, peaceful day in the garden, you can imagine him walking through the garden and being able to grab of the fruit of the tree of life. Not a care in the world, not a worry, no fear, no anxiety, no depression, no pain. A beautiful world that he existed in, being able to choose tree of life but as we progress through the Bible and Jesus now addressing the church as a whole he says surely I'm coming quickly and that choice that we have now has a little bit more urgency It's no, it's no um, surprise that we're living in the last days. This is a a moment in our history where I don't know that we've seen just more chaos. I mean, you could take one general area of our population, one general area of commerce, one general area of countries and find them in conflict with one another. The Bible talks about those wars and rumors of wars. His own people, the Israelites, being attacked right now. If this doesn't say urgency, I don't know what does. And sadly, We can get so distracted by the cares of life, and we can get so off course and lose track of our identity and who God has called us to be, and we can find ourselves chasing after every other solution except for God, trying to find something to hold on to, something to grasp, and not ever truly finding it. Our family is a mess. Our life doesn't look like what we expected it to. We feel hopeless, anxiety, depression. And all the while, God is saying, you have a choice to make. But the time is coming quickly to an end. And that opportunity that you may have to take and partake of the fruit, the tree of life might be coming to a close. And I'm not, again, trying to scare you today, but I am saying that in the scripture it shows us the urgency of the moment. That if we we want our family to be saved, if we want our friends to be saved, I'm not saying they're going to just naturally, they're just going to come if you live for God because that doesn't always happen. But I am going to tell you today that they are watching your life and that they see your life. But most importantly, God has a plan for us. And God has a plan for you individually in this room. And as I said in the beginning of this message, I don't believe that today is a happenstance. I don't believe today just happened to happen this way and and all of that. I don't believe in coincidences, but I believe that God destined today for you to be here to hear this word. We all stand today. Maybe if we can close our eyes and begin to think about those first moments when God called us. Those first moments that we found God. For me, it was as a kid at an altar. Praying for the Holy Ghost. God, fill me with the Holy Ghost. What a beautiful day that was. So much potential, so much promise in my life. How much of it have I wasted and squandered because... Of my own selfishness. And I no longer have the same. Amount of time that I once had. To live for him. I no longer have. The the benefit of. Of the years of my life. Slowly. Life is passing by. And sometimes even quickly so. But I believe that today God wants to set us on a path that we can look back on and say, God, you've brought me a long way. God, you've taken me a long way. Can we come to this altar today? Can we just give ourselves to God completely? I know it might be a somber moment in the presence of God. And I know we're not shouting from the rafters. I know we're not dancing in the aisles. But I I believe for today in this moment, God wants to do something in our hearts, deep inside of us, to change us to our core. Can we just lift our hands and begin to talk to him right now? Jesus.